Paul is finishing what might be like the sixth or the seventh letter to the Corinthians. I'm still not sure about all that. I still read commentaries and historians that are all over the place. But for our purposes, it's the second letter to the Corinthians. (laughs) And um, remember when Paul went to Corinth. He went to Corinth and we talked about this in Acts. He went to Corinth and he met Aquila and Priscilla. And they were Jewish tent makers. And he stayed with them. And because he was a tent maker too. And he had been Jewish and talked to them and told them about Jesus and they became Christians. And then he, I'll tell the story and you guys will remember it all. Um, He spoke at the synagogue and a whole bunch of people started to believe in him. And then a whole bunch of people railed against him and he said, that's it. I'm not talking to you Jewish people in this synagogue anymore. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And he walked out and he went right next door. (laughs) Right next to the synagogue was a lecture hall. And so he said, I'm taking my ball and leaving. And he went to the other end of the basketball court, right? He didn't go far. And um, that was the same city where the ruler of the synagogue became a believer and him and his whole family. So they had to move because they couldn't live in the synagogue anymore. We don't know where they moved to. And then God appeared to Paul in a vision and he said, don't be afraid. You just preach boldly. I have so many people in this city that you don't know about yet that are all going to come and not a single bad thing is going to happen to you. Nobody's going to lay a hand on you. So he stayed in Corinth for 18 months. A year and a half is one of his longest stays. The only place he stayed longer was his favorite place, Ephesus. And, um, and then there was another big brouhaha and they tried to throw Paul in jail. And the magistrate that was in charge of the city said, oh, you guys, you're arguing about religion and language. Get out of my court. I'm not deciding this stuff for you. So they all got upset and they beat up the new synagogue ruler who was not doing a good job of hushing Paul because the new guy was losing everybody to Paul next door. Wow. So all of that, 18 months left in riot, but not really a threat to Paul. He went back another time and visited them and gave them some instruction And then he wrote 1 Corinthians, which is a lot of, hey, you guys are doing this wrong. You guys are doing that wrong. Hey, you guys need to. uh, That's where faith, hope, and love is in 1 Corinthians, where his instructions about uh, tongues and prophecy. And when you come together, everybody should have something. And don't get drunk before you come and get together. But don't show up and drink all the communion wine to get drunk either. Come on, y'all. All of that. So now he's finalizing this letter. And chapter 13 begins, this is the third time I am coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Doesn't that seem like a weird thing to say? 
Like, what do those two things have to do with each other? This is the third time I'm coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warned those who sinned before and all the others, and I warn them now while I'm absent, like I did when I was present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them. So in Numbers and Deuteronomy, two different places in the law, it says that you can't charge anybody unless you have at least two witnesses. What Paul is doing here is he's saying, the first time I came to y'all was witness number one. The second time I came to y'all was witness number two. And so now the third time I come, I will have grounds to accuse you. I will have witnesses. And the witnesses will be the last two times I had to come and tell you to do this right. So he is getting really, really, this is the uh, don't make me come up there line. Galatians was hard because he told them they were stupid. But he was more like, why don't you guys get it? Second Corinthians, he is, do not make me come in Christ's power. And yeah. Since you seek proof, now check this out. Verse three, since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me. He's saying, I'm coming the third time. I will have two witnesses, which are my last two visits. And I'll bring the authority that I have in Christ if I have to. And you will no longer doubt if Christ is speaking in me. He is not weak in dealing with you, but he is powerful among you. For he was crucified in weakness, but he lives by the power of God. He's talking about Jesus. For we are also weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. Remember, all through this whole letter, he has been talking about weakness. Just a couple weeks ago, he was talking about the thorn in his flesh that was given to him, a messenger of Satan, so that he would not become proud, so that he would not be arrogant. He was given weakness as a gift. He was given weakness to make him stronger in the Lord. Go way, way back to the Corinthians. Some of you guys are all divided. Some of you are saying I'm with Apollos. Some of you are saying I'm with Paul. Some of you are saying with Jesus and you're all split up. Why are they all split up? Because they're all saying my dad's tougher than your dad. My team's better than your team. This is better. This is tougher. This is winner. This is. And Paul is saying weakness, y'all. Weakness. Let God be strong. You don't even boast. Even if you had a whole bunch of visions, don't boast in it. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, don't boast that you can prophesy. Don't boast that you can speak in tongues. I, Paul says, I speak in tongues more than any of you. And I would rather not. I'd rather just say something really clear and really instructive than do all that. So again, now he is bringing it all the way back to Jesus on the cross. The weakest Weakest thing you ever saw is a dead guy hung up on a wooden pole, right? Lifeless, powerless, completely unable to do a thing. And that is the greatest show of power God has given us because Jesus rose from the dead. He even defeated that. 
So Jesus, verse 4, crucified in weakness, but lives. He is still alive. So here I am when I am in a fight. Oh, I'm arguing with somebody. Oh, man, I would just want to win. And I can do that death blow and I can say that one word that'll just dear. Whose strength am I speaking by? Dan Sullivan. Right? Uh, I just found out my name's on a tombstone out at the cemetery because my mom got her tombstone done and she got my name put on the back of it. And uh, so I get to tell that joke now. Dan Sullivan's power is worthless. Whatever power I have in my flesh is just, I mean, no offense, Rick, but it's as worthless as my name written on the back of a tombstone, Right? Jesus is not weak in dealing with us. We might feel like Jesus is weak because, gosh, when I talk to so-and-so or I can give them or I can solve this or I can fix this person or even we do it to ourselves, I need to get better. I need to be a better person. I need to get... The only person qualified to do this is Jesus. We, we are really good at not doing it right. But Christ in us is our strength. He is powerful among you. He lives by the power of God. We are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. Is there somebody you want to change a whole bunch? You think it would be really effective to just go and tell them how they need to change? Or do you think it would be better to go to your knees and say, Lord, fix this person? Because God's going to do such a better job in them than we ever will. And so Paul directs them towards that. So Paul has done, he's been given advice all through this thing. But now he's like, you guys, you have to do this yourselves. You have to let the Lord change you yourself. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Quit trying to figure out, oh, is Paul really speaking by the power of Jesus or not? Forget Paul. What about you? Are you living by the power of Jesus? That's what he's saying. Examine yourselves. Test yourselves. Do you not realize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you. This is so written to us right now, too. We can hear somebody, we can hear some preacher on the radio, we can talk to somebody at the mall, whatever. Be like, I don't know about that guy. What about you? What about me? You know, am I, have I figured this out? Okay, if I had that part of a childhood, what would I believe about God? If my image of God portrayed to me was some yelling preacher telling me how bad I'm going to go to hell, what would my perspective of God be? Examine yourselves. Test yourselves. Jesus Christ is in you. And then he says, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. I love it how he's not presumptuous. He's like, you might quiz yourselves and realize you actually don't believe in Jesus. Whoa, that's a little scary, right? He is not going to be presumptuous on the Corinthians and just assume they all believe. 
but he wants them to believe. We pray to God that you may not do wrong, not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right. We're praying not that you approve of us when we come. We're not praying that you will think that we are awesome. We're praying that you will think that Jesus is awesome. That you will be transformed before we ever show up. Wow. What if we dealt with, what if, I mean, here I am, right? I'm preaching this to myself. All the people I want to argue with, all the people I disagree with, and I have the fight in my head. And what if, oh man, what if I could just pray that when I showed up, they would teach me and instruct me in holiness. Instead of me going to tell them, I'm going to show them a thing or two. What if our attitude was, boy, I can't wait to go see them and let them teach me a thing or two. Whoa. What if the Holy Spirit is already working in them? We cannot, this is verse 8, we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. We are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. After all this correction, what is he praying for the Corinthian church? I just hope you guys have it all together and this letter is just all messed up. I hope I've completely misunderstood you. I just, we just all want to pursue the truth, right? Um, I've heard police say this to people that they are arresting before. Um, you hear it on the news. You, they'll say, hey, we all just want to go home tonight, right? We all, and it's like, you know what? You just get down to it. Criminal, bad guy, policeman, law enforcement, whatever. They all just want to go home. They all just want to have peace. There's uh, across all sorts of poverty, riches, uh, external sin, hidden secret sin, all kinds of neighborhoods all over town. There was a study and they found that like 85 to 90% of all parents, which I was kind of worried that it was that low, uh, want their kids to succeed. Now, is it really easy for some parents to help their kids succeed in some neighborhoods? And it's really hard for parents to help their kids succeed in other neighborhoods? Yeah, but they really all want that. And Paul is saying, look, we all want the truth, right? Corinthians, you gutless, sinful Corinthians, don't we all just want the truth, right? <laughs> so he is, he is reconciling with them. We are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason, I write these things. Because I really want you guys to get it, even if it makes me look stupid. That's what Paul is saying. Even if I look like the weakest preacher you ever had visit, I just want you to get it. When I come, I'm writing this while I'm away so that when I come, I will not have to be severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me. So if there was a period right there and that was the end of it, that would be a pretty intense statement, right? I don't want to be severe in the use of the authority that the Lord has given me. Oh, right? Paul is coming here. Oh, the Lord gave him authority. Oh, but what is that authority for? It is for building up and for not tearing down. Wow. 
God has given, you guys know the, the, the uh, five-fold ministry trick? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. God has given apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers for the building up of God's people. This is in Ephesians. For the building up. The whole purpose of leadership in the church is to build up, not to tear down. Wow. So the, uh, the age of yelling preachers, tearing people down. Yikes. That's actually not what the Bible says. Building up. The authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. The awesome, awesome thing about this is that there is not a line here. We are a priesthood of believers. We are all in on this. We are all gifted with this. We are all empowered to build one another up and not tear one another down. That's the Holy Spirit working in you. And then he starts to wrap it up. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Come on, you guys. I wrote you this whole letter. I yelled at you. I said a whole bunch of things. I flexed my muscles. I told you I'm showing up. You better act right. Rejoice. Let's end happy. Come on. Why the down face? Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. This is all the opposite of I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I can speak in tongues and I don't need you. I can speak in. I can be a prophet. I don't need you. No, come on, y'all be together. Agree on things. Live in peace. The God of love and peace will be with you. I think some people's hobby is to separate and find things wrong and to criticize. I mean, I did this. This was my hobby for years was to find fault and nitpick. and bleh. It says the God of love and peace will be with you as you agree with one another and live in peace. Do I like lima beans? No. Do I have to bring up every time that I'm anywhere close to a lima bean how awful they are and how nasty they are and they shouldn't be made to eat? No, I can live in peace with my neighbor that eats lima beans. Weirdo. What if we sought out love and peace? What if whenever a little flag went up, oh, I don't agree with that. Oh, that's stupid. Oh, I don't, that's not, we were like, you know what? Did Jesus die on the cross so I could tell somebody how stupid lima beans are? No, he did not. So I don't need to do that. I can just let that be. Live in peace and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is one of those exciting verses um, when you're studying the Trinity and you're trying to get you wrap your hands around God being three, but being one, but being one, but being three, three persons that are co-eternal and they share each other, but they're separate. Per okay. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. 
These are ways that each of these parts of God, each of these persons of God show up in our lives, right? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that he died on the cross for our sins. That we did not deserve fellowship with God. But Jesus bought it. And that he was sent by God the Father. The love of God. God so loved the world that he gave up his only son so that whoever believes will have eternal life. And then the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Well, how in the world are we all going to get along with each other when some of you may in fact like cottage cheese? I'm getting all my things in, right? Lima beans, cottage cheese. I forget what the other one is. Fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we just read. If you live in peace, the God of love and peace will be with you. If you're always stirring up disagreements and stirring up rivalries, I don't know that the Holy Spirit's going to help you do that because the Holy Spirit is all about the fellowship of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ, Paul talks about it in another letter. He talks about some of it looks like an eyeball and some of it looks like a liver. And those things look really different. And the eye shouldn't say to the hand of the foot or say to the foot, I don't need you. The body of Christ, we, we all need each other. Everybody that believes Jesus is the son of God. We all need each other. And so this ends 2 Corinthians, you guys. We did it. 13 chapters. I don't know how many weeks it took. From here, we're going to go into Hebrews, which is also 13 chapters. But we're not going to do a chapter a week. So if you're looking at the calendar and you're like, oh, we'll be done by January. No, we aren't. We're going to go slow. And um, the other exciting thing about Hebrews is it has a lot to say about Jesus. It has a lot to say about the Old Testament and Levitical law and Jewish things, which we've covered some of in the book of Acts and we've covered some of in 2 Corinthians here. And it's almost going to be like algebra where you learn one thing one week and then you use that the next week to learn the new thing. And then you lose that the next week to learn the next thing. And we're going to be taking all the stuff that we've talked about in Acts and all the stuff that we talked about in Numbers and all the stuff that we talked about in 2 Corinthians. And it's all going to fit with what we're going to talk about in Hebrews, which will take us all the way up through Christmas and into 2023 so lots of exciting things ahead let's pray lord thank you so much for being with us all the time thank you so much that we can put a lot of trust in the statement christ in you is the hope of glory and lord we want we want to feel and see your work in us but also help us to just be faithful that even when we don't feel it we don't see it we know the truth of your word that you are in us and that as we increase in love and peace that the god of love and peace will be with us lord we thank you and we praise you for your faithfulness and we just submit ourselves to you to bring it bring your life out of us more and more we praise you, Lord. Amen.